Guys, all right, you may be seated this morning. Let me go over a, a few announcements today. Uh, so Wednesday nights, if you normally don't come on Wednesday nights, and we got some visitors here, we have really, really a great time on Wednesday nights. We have cooking teams that cook dinner every Wednesday night, so we have dinner with one another at 6 o'clock. So don't have to worry about feeding the kids or, or you before you come to church. Just come on Wednesday nights, eat dinner with us at 6. Classes start at 6.45, so we have... Kids classes, youth classes, the adult uh, Bible study up here. We also have a prayer team that starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, and so if you want to you be on the prayer team, you can do that. So join us on uh, Wednesday nights. So tonight, there is no men's or women's Bible study tonight. Normally, we have Bible study at, on 6 o'clock uh, here at the church. No study tonight. But also, uh, in, starting in January... If you're a guy and you've wanted to go through discipleship, but maybe you haven't had time to do it in a one-on-one -on -one setting, they're going to be starting another group, Discipleship for Men, uh, in January. It's going to start in January on Sundays at 4.30 uh, in the afternoon here at the church. So if you've never went through discipleship, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity uh, to grow in your faith, grow in your knowledge of, of our Lord uh, and His Word and then just to connect with people. So it's, it's just a great time. If you've never done it, uh, here's an opportunity, fellas, uh, at 4.30 uh, 
starting in January on Sunday afternoons. Also, grief share. I know we've been having grief share on Thursday nights. That has done until what, January? February 1st. Okay, February 1st is when grief share will start back up. Is it also going to be on Thursday nights? Okay. Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. It won't start up again until February, so I'll start announcing that. Again, I know they're taking their holiday break. So next Sunday is probably one of my favorite Sundays of the year uh, because we get to watch the kids do their Christmas program. So we'll have a, a kind of a shorter sermon, but the kids will do the Christmas program next Sunday morning. So make sure they're here. Are you, and dress rehearsal, is it full dress rehearsal Wednesday night? Dress rehearsal is Wednesday night up here. So this Wednesday night, Bible study, adult Bible study, will meet downstairs in the kitchen. Uh, this Wednesday night because the kids will be up here doing dress rehearsal uh, for the Christmas program. And then Sunday, December 24th, it's Christmas Eve. What are we going to do with service times? Normal service times. We're going to have Sunday school and worship that morning. And then that night, we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service. So if you've never came to the Christmas Eve candlelight service, it's gorgeous. I mean, this place is decorated beautiful today anyway, but imagine all the lights off and everyone holding candles. It's beautiful. Uh, and we'll take communion that night. I think we take communion at it. I believe we do. We'll take communion. You're going to hold one candle in one hand, communion in the other. I'm going to watch you guys try to balance that out, okay? <laughs> We're going to have fun. So uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. There's also a couple other things added here. Young adult uh, Christmas party. So this is like college age, newly married early to mid-20s, uh, 18 and above. They're having a Christmas party Saturday the 16th, which is next Saturday, at 5.30 p.m. at Dustin and Rachel's house. So if you want information on that, are you guys having a gift exchange? Where's Dustin and Rachel at? They're downstairs? I don't know. But they're not here today. You mean I announced this and they're not here today? They're probably watching online. But okay, so the, uh, get with Dustin and Rachel about all the details. Saturday the 16th at 5.30 uh, and then Tuesday night, this is something they do every year. We're not going to be able to do it this year. But um, the freeway guys are going Christmas caroling. So uh, they, they love going and doing this. They're going to leave the church at 6.30. So if you would like to join them Tuesday night for Christmas caroling, be here at the church at 6.30. And then they take off and they go. We have several people that I go visit uh, every week that are kind of shut-ins. I know they'll go to their house like Miss Joanne. She's probably watching online today. They'll go to her house and sing. They'll probably show up at some of, I don't know who all's house they're going to go to. But if you want them to come to your house, maybe you can make the request too. But if, you're, uh, if you want to go caroling with them, you don't have to have the ability to sing. You can hum along if you want to, but I know they have a good time. Uh, that's Tuesday night at 6.30. I don't think I had anything else. Freeway next Saturday. Is Freeway uh, on? Freeway's on through Christmas. Uh, week after no Freeway. Okay, so we got, we got service next Saturday night, and then after that, take a two-week break uh, for the holidays. So, yeah, anything else that I forgot this morning on announcements? Women, no, no women's meetings this week or anything like that. Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up the morning offering, and we'll have our time of worship before we jump into God's Word together. So bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, again, uh, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, and to to preach Mike's charge as he is uh, going to be an elder. And what, what an exciting day for our church again, uh, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, just be with us today as we worship you. As we give back to you, God, we want to give you our best. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that you use this to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be shared on a local level and all around the world, Lord, that people will be saved. And, Lord, in everything, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray. Amen.
Y'all have a good week? Oh, that was silent. I like it. <laughs> Ready, girls?
try to prepare you here at Crossbridge. You know, I said that, Caroline, you could go and hum. We wanted that computer to crash so you guys could test your humming ability there for a minute, right? Because you don't know the words. My wife looked at me and said, I don't know the words. I said, I don't either. But, but when we got to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, everybody knew the words, right? All right. All right. Yeah, no, the computer crashed. That's all right. We're, the computer may crash, but listen, and this mic may go out, but I'm a loud mouse, so we don't need any of it this morning, all right? Yeah, all right. Uh, the kids may go downstairs to Children's Church if they'd like to this morning. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 3, and, and I ask you to remain standing if you would. I want to honor God's Word as we read it together. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. As I mentioned while you're turning, today's a special day uh, for Crossbridge and Mike. He's going to be in this chair here in a little bit. He was on the hot seat this morning. So if you, never, if you don't know how ordinations go, uh, what we have is we have an ordination council. And we, Crossbridge, we do it a little bit differently. We like for the, these, to observe these people doing ministry. And so Mike's been serving uh, in, in ministry for how many years, Mike? Two? Probably a year and a half, two? Three? Four? I'm way behind, guys. Okay. So, see, he's been, he's been serving already, right, and showing that he has the ability. So, the council's really an informal thing, but we ask him questions, and we put him on the hot seat downstairs, and you guys don't get to know what we ask him, but Max Hartman is the one that brings the wood, right? I mean, he does, and he brought it this morning. I loved it, and, and Max gave it. We, we, all the other elders looked at Max Hartman and said, you need to preach sometime, Max, because he gave a sermon this morning. It was good, uh, but we, we asked him about his faith and asked him questions this morning, and he passed with flying colors, which we knew he would, and so this is the part where we get to give him a charge this morning, and so I want to start uh, with 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and, and we're going to read the qualities qualifications uh, that God gives for elders. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that you don't leave us thinking... And wondering about what you want and what you expect uh, out of leaders in the church, out of elders, overseers, and pastors, Lord. And so, uh, Lord, I'm thankful for this passage this morning. It does make those uh, of us, Lord, uh, that hold this position um, really pause. And, and it, Lord, it, it, at times it makes us feel unworthy and unqualified, and I believe we are. But only through your grace and mercy uh, can we serve and, and can Mike serve this morning. And so, Lord, I, I pray for him and Barb and his family this morning. It's just a huge thing for his whole family and for your church, God. And, and so, Lord, I pray for the people that Mike is going to minister to over the years, Lord, that they be uh, very attentive and listen. And, Lord, I pray for Mike that he, he takes this responsibility so seriously in how he studies 
And Lord, so be with us today as we, we look at the charge that we're going to give him. Uh, and Lord, it, it, is, um, it is something that's relevant for everybody here this morning, uh, Lord. And we all have responsibilities in this. So Lord, I just I pray for this time together. I pray for him. And you be glorified and honored in everything that we do. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I want you to flip over just a couple of chapters. Those are the qualifications. Um, it's actually going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Is where I'm going to, the actual message is going to come out of today. I wanted to read the qualifications because those are all uh, something that when elders are going into office, we, we read those qualifications. There's also another list of qualifications found in the book of Titus. Um, and I think anybody who's ever served in ministry as a pastor, elder, looks at those qualifications and takes a deep breath and goes, Oh man, maybe I should resign this morning. In fact... <laughs> I think about every one of our elders after we read them this morning said, maybe I should resign this morning because it just, it makes, it makes you take uh, a step back and really um, look at like, wow, this is a, this is a humbling task. Uh, it's a noble task, but one that um, we're going to be held into account for God one day on how we lead. And so it's a, it's a huge thing. The charge I want to give Mike today, and it, and it is pertaining to all of us, because here's the thing. In local bodies of believers, you have the authority uh, to hire an elder, a, 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 a lay, not a lay elder, but a staff elder. So your, your staff that serves in positions like your, your pastors. And so there may be a time where the Lord takes me to heaven, and you start looking for a senior pastor, a pastor who preaches every Sunday, uh, if it's not filled from within. There's going to be some things that I want the church to look for and that I would want you to hold me into account for to make sure that I'm doing. So is this very relevant for all of us today? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. 2 Timothy 4, uh, 1 through 5. I want to read this to you. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure a sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So who is that? That's, that's Paul talking to the young preacher, young elder Timothy. And he's giving them this charge of, hey, this is what you need to do. And so I want to break this down um, this morning. The first one is he tells him to preach the word. And so Mike, preach the word. I want to, I want to tell you so many times, even with my own self, and uh, Mike Estelle would tell, would tell you the same thing, it's easy in, it, to fall into the trap of wanting to give your own opinion about something. And to, and, and to say like what we think about something. Folks, that is absolutely not our job. Our job is to preach what the Bible says and nothing else. Not deviate from that. Not deviate into what we think or our feelings. But to preach the word. And when he tells them that, he says, be ready. I want to tell you, Mike, there's going to be times as an elder when you just want to quit. When you just want to quit. When you want to say, man, this is just too much. Don't. Don't. Uh, in our country right now, the American church is losing 
pastors by the hundreds. In fact, a lot of our brothers and sister churches in our association, uh, several, there's always two or three that are looking for pastors, especially bivocational ones, because there's just, there's not as many as there used to be, uh, and they're all quitting because there are great demands. You are going to have lots of opportunities to preach the word, be ready, and when I talk to you this morning, I'll, I'll tell you one thing I told them this morning, study. Study the Word. Get in it. Preach what it says. Don't just get up and, and say what your opinion is. Or don't wing it. Don't just get up. There's never been a time that I've ever just opened the Bible and said, okay, I guess I'm just going to read a verse and we'll go from there. Right? We don't do that. Uh, and so you need to be ready to preach the Word. Be ready. Spend time each week studying and praying, preparing to teach the Word. Don't just get up and wing it. First Peter 3.15 uh, a verse we read this morning in our meeting. It said, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We have to be, not only Mike, but everybody in here, prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in us. So if somebody comes up to you and says, Man, there's just something different about your life. What is it that's different about your life? What do you tell them? Hopefully you share the gospel with them. Because it's not about you changing your own life. It's that Christ has changed your life. And you share the gospel with them. You're, you be ready for those conversations. Practice those conversations. Be ready for that. Be ready to preach the word. Always prepared to make what a defense. You're, so you're also, if somebody wants to challenge you about that hope, you need to be ready to make a defense for the gospel. Be prepared for that. And it's, I, I love it. it says in season and out. That means any time. That's any time. It, 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 you teach the truth of God no matter the audience. That goes for all of us in here. No matter who we're talking to. Our culture in the world, traditions, whether it's accepted or not, be ready to teach the word. No matter what kind of response you think you're going to get. You preach what you know is the truth of God's word. Don't ever let there be anybody, any person determine how you preach the word. That's God's business, not anybody else's. Don't deviate from that. Galatians 1.10, this is a problem. This is a huge problem in our country. It says, for am I seeking the approval of man or of God? There's too many people, Mike, that worry about what people think. And don't even consider what God thinks about the matter. Be much more concerned about what God thinks than what any person would think. If you just preach what God thinks, you're good. You're good. Teach what God thinks. Teach your children what God thinks. I tell you, you're not going to hear in our society, I would say 99% of the time, if our society is for something, God's word is against it. It's just the truth. That, that Over and over I see that. And whose approval are we really trying to win? Man's or God's? Don't worry about the approval of man. It, it, it finishes it. Or am I trying to please man? If I, if, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, you can't be both. You can't be a, both a servant of Christ and trying to please the world and man at the same time. It ain't going to happen. So be ready in season and out. Next thing he says is reprove and rebuke. What is that? That is correcting, correcting false ideas, false doctrines that are so prevalent today. And you know why false doctrines become so easily accepted and so widely 
relevant church because people are so easily confused because they don't know the truth. They don't read their Bible. They don't study God's Word. They listen to one person. They don't know the truth. They don't test it like good Bereans are supposed to, like a church is supposed to. Test the Word. Be ready. Be ready to, to, to correct false doctrine. James 5.20 says, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Be ready to rebuke those who are living in open rebellion against God. Gently leading them to repentance, to faith in Christ. Be ready to correct when you need to correct. If, if we really love those who we're preaching to, if you really love your congregation, you're going to talk about sin and how serious God takes it. If you really love people, you're going to talk about that. How unloving would it be? I've said this before, and it's a great analogy. How unloving would it be of me to see my neighbor's house burning down and me sitting back in my recliner and to sit and watch it burn? That's unloving. But it would be loving for me to go beat down the door of their house and make sure they were safe. Mike, use God's word. Preach God's word. Let the Holy Spirit convict people. Talk about sin and the consequences of sin. Here's the next one. Exhort. Encourage people to grow in their faith. Teaching them. This is kind of the positive side of preaching. You're encouraging people to grow in their faith. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, we have to be there for one another and be there for the body, encouraging them to grow in their faith. Uh, encouraging them as they leave here. Because listen, when, 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 our, when we leave here this morning, we're not going to most likely see each other till Wednesday again, right? So that means Monday, Tuesday, and all day Wednesday, you're out there as a light in a lost and dying world. That's hard. That's tough. Living for Christ out there, that's hard. We need encouragement from one another when we're going into our jobs surrounded by people who are lost. We need to encourage one another. So encourage the congregation. Love them. Support them. And then we do this, it says, with complete patience and teaching. Growth in Christ is a lifelong thing. There's many times where I think we, we, we as elders want to see the growth happen, man, right then. And you go from a baby Christian to an adult. Well, there's, there's a lot of trying times. And just like you're raising up a child, there's a lot of trying times in between the infant stage and adulthood, right? So be patient in teaching. 1 Corinthians 3, 4-5 through 5 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Be patient with dealing with your brothers and sisters. Be patient when you're dealing with your fellow elders. I ask you that this morning. Please be patient with us. Be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Be patient. Teach. Verses 3 and 4, it's talking about the people in the church. Gonna, there's going to be a whole lot of people, Mike, if we go back and look, that don't want to hear the truth. So let's go back and read it real quick. Let's go back and read it. Uh, verses 3 and 4. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is talking about people who hear your message and don't want to hear it. 
They get upset by it because you're speaking the truth and love and what they really want is they want someone to tell them it's okay to live how they want to live, to do what they want to do. That's not what we're called to do. They're going to want a preacher to tell them it's okay, live how you want to live. They will turn from the truth of who God is and believe myths, that God doesn't punish sin, that that God still loves them even if they're they're lost and, and headed to hell. That is the American church right now. That is the American church. When you are leading a congregation, don't ever preach what you think they want to hear. Preach what they need to hear. Not what they want, what they need. Hebrews 13, 17, Mike says that you're going to give an account to God for how you lead people. That is, I think as an elder, probably the most sobering, humbling verse in all of Scripture. Knowing that taking this office... You will give an account one day to the Lord Jesus of how you lead the body. That should give every single one of us as elders pause this morning. It should give us pause. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he who teach will be judged in greater strictness. So God watches. He's watching what we teach, how we teach it, what we teach. He's watching. He cares. It's important to him. Verse 5, what does Paul say to Timothy? As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Sober-minded, what is that? That's treating the truth of God's word serious. You take it serious what you're preaching. You spend time studying. You don't go, you're not wavy going side to side with the wind with every new thing that comes up. You're, you're, you're sober-minded. You don't, you don't just follow one truth to another. Don't be reckless and easily influenced. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Ephesians 4. Verses 11 through 14. Ephesians 4. 11 through 14, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Be sober-minded. Be grounded in your faith. That when somebody, when, if there's ever a time when somebody approaches you and tries to attack what you believe, you're not easily influenced back and forth like waves. Spend time studying, knowing what you believe. It's important. There are going to be people that challenge you and what you believe. Be ready for those challenges. Next thing it says is evangelize. Man, there's no greater joy, I think. This is kind of payday. This is, this is no greater joy than when you share the good news of Jesus Christ. I think uh, one of the elders this morning said that you're not any closer to God's heart than you are right then, than when you're sharing the truth of who Jesus is with someone. Uh, It's an amazing thing. Teach, our opportunity and our job is not just for us to share the gospel, it's to teach the church 
how to share the gospel, teach the truth of who Christ is, and they, then they go out and spread the message. Our number one responsibility as a church is to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. Making disciples. Making new disciples. Making new, what? Leaders in the church. The church is sending men out. Raising up new leaders in the church. And as you know, this isn't a suggestion. It's a command. Making disciples is not a quick process. That's a long process. It's not a quick decision. It's teaching someone. You teach them the word. You teach them what being a follower of Christ is. And not just by the words that come out of your mouth, but they look at your life. What you said this morning, they look at your life and they see Christ. Are they always going to look at your life and see Christ? No, no, not till we get to heaven, right? But you be somebody that the church can look up to and see how you treat Barb, how you treat grandkids, your family, how you love the Lord, how you serve as an example where they go, man, I want to be like Mike, be like Mike. We got our own mics. Be like Mike, right? And then 2 Timothy 4 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's a fight. This is a fight. This is a fight. We are in a spiritual battle. It's a fight. You're in a fight against Satan. He is going to try to do everything he can to derail your ministry. Everything. He's going to try to tempt you. You, you know, you put yourself in positions of success. We've talked about that. Um, He's going to try to get to you. Because if he can get to you, he can get to a whole lot of people. So be ready for attack. You're in a spiritual battle. We win those spiritual battles through Christ by putting on the whole armor of God. We win battles in prayer, in the study of his word, by putting on that whole armor and going into battle. Finish your race. Finish your race. Only God knows how long that is. But what I take ordination a very, very serious thing. It's a lifelong commitment. It's you saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. I'm going to teach your word for the rest of my life. You finish your race. Fight the good fight. Don't quit. There's going to be times where you want to. There's going to be times where you want to say, man, this is just too hard. Don't quit. Keep going. Finish the race. You, church, pray for them. Pray for them. Most people don't have any understanding, no idea what comes with this kind of position. And doing this. Um, it's not just standing up here and preaching for 30 minutes. I promise you. It is a week long battle. All the time. It's good versus evil. And so what can you do? Support him. And pray for him. Encourage him. Be there for him. Love his family. All those things. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And then I'm going to have a time where. Um, a, a good friend of this church. Who. Uh, is helping John Stroop run Freeway. Uh, he, he's going to come forward and say a few words this morning, and then uh, we're going to do the laying on of hands this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, this morning again for this time that we could read your word and I could deliver this charge to Mike and to our, our church body. And just what an exciting day it is for the church and for Mike and his family. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray for him. He is going to be under attack. I pray for him, God, that. He just finds strength in your word. He's, he, he finds strength, Lord, in, in time of prayer with you. You're, you're, Lord, you're with him. You're always going to be with him. 
Let them persevere. Find strength in you and to fight the good fight. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Casey if he would please come this morning. John was going to be here, uh, and John is sick. So we need we want to pray for John this morning. Keep him in your prayers this morning. But I asked Casey, I'd ask John uh, if there's anything he would like to say to Mike, because I know they've been very influential in his life. Well, I just want to um, thank you, Pastor, for that reminder and that wonderful charge of what it means to, to really hold the reins and to, and to lift up the, the banner of Christ. And I just want to thank you more personally for, for living that out, brother. You know, I see God adding to this church, and this church is growing because of your faithfulness to the word. And I want to thank you, church. Uh, my role in Freeway has um, shifted over the years, and I'm really just one of those things where wherever I can get in, that's, that's my role, right? And, um, but in particular, it's overseeing the men's discipleship houses. And, um, and I want to thank you, church, because I put a lot of effort, before you see a face pop up here through the Freeway program, I put in a lot of prayer, a lot of, a lot of phone calls, a lot of testing, a lot of evaluating, trying to see if that man's truly, genuinely ready to surrender and when they come out here, it's kind of like handing over a baby, you know. I'm not calling these men baby, but in Christ, they're babies. They're babes in Christ, and they're ready to surrender. And you guys have taken them in as a family and loved them and poured into them. And so I have no hesitation sending men out here to this church because I know they're going to be loved on and cared for here. And uh, as I was um, just thinking um, uh, just about Mike and, and just the qualities and characteristics, brother, um, um, you know, you hear about in ministry, you hear about, you know, the, the people that have to and the people that, that get to, you know, that, that get to attitude. Well, I've wanted to see what that meant one day, so I looked it up, opened up the dictionary, searched it out, that get to attitude. And I looked down, and there's a picture of a man there, and it's Mike Simons right there in the book, you know. <laughs> I was just like, I know this guy, right? But, um, but doesn't that sum it up, you know? What you get to see in these men that are coming into the program, a lot of you guys have been through earlier on in your life. Some of you have. Some of you were saved later. Some of you were served earlier. But these men are being saved midlife and realizing that for the first time in their life, they, they're able to be used for a good purpose. And that's overwhelming. It's so exciting. And, um, and some people, if you're not careful, church, get over that. And then you get in a routine. And then you might get in a rut. And then you might have to do what you're doing in order to continue. But Mike's not that type, you know. Mike's the type that kind of breaks that mold and that reminder that we get to do this. And he's got that attitude that he gets to serve, he gets to help, he gets to be used today. And, um, and I haven't seen a tarnish in you, brother. I haven't seen you get over your salvation. I haven't seen you get over the opportunity that you get to be used by God. And it's encouraging. It's contagious. It's infectious, isn't it? Right? You hang out with him for a little bit, and you want to get back on board. And so I just want to thank you for being that brother. Um, he's got a heart for people. He's got a heart to serve. And um, another thing that really stands out, you know, as I'm looking and reflecting on his life, is um, a great enemy of ministry, family, is pride, you know. I mean, we, we, we've, God brings us to this place. Just as Pastor said, we didn't take ourselves there. He brought us to this place. And there's this danger that we feel like we're different than other people or maybe we're better than other people. We've arrived at a place they haven't arrived on our own. And then correction and criticism can really hurt us. But Mike's got a teachable, humble attitude that hasn't changed through this. And when he falls short, he's the first one to admit it. 
And that is beautiful because God's going to use that. God's looking all over the earth for somebody who, who is willing that he might show himself mighty through just that willingness, that, that eagerness to be changed, that eagerness to grow and to learn, brother. Hang on to that. Hold it tight. Because as the pastor said, the, the arrows are coming. You just stepped out in the front line and, and you just declared war against the enemy. And so it's coming. And I want to thank you, Barb, for being a, you're going to help balance him out because Mike says yes too much, you know. <laughs> and uh, so you're helping him say no to some things. And I see that already. I want to thank you for helping guard him and protect him because he needs that. And I just want to um, thank you again, brother, for being a faithful example. I love you. Amen. All right, I want to ask Mike if he would please come forward and sit right here. And this is a, um, this is a very special time uh, also. I'm going to ask our elders if they would please come this morning. I want to also invite uh, any, any other uh, man who's been ordained this morning. So if you've been ordained into ministry and you would like to come uh, this morning, we're going to do what we call laying on of hands. And so there's numerous places in Scripture that talk about this. Uh, Matthew uh, 19, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 1. What we're going to do is we're going to pray over Mike. Uh, each man's going to come through and, and lay hands on him and pray for him. And while we're doing this this morning... Um, I would ask uh, the church to also pray for Mike and Barb. Uh, please uh, keep, keep them in your prayers. This is going to be a fight. There, there's, there, and he's already been in the fight, let me say. He's been serving in this and already in the fight. But um, we're going to come through and pray for him. So if you would, while we're praying for him and laying on of hands, we ask you to pray for him also.
Barb, if she would please come up and join Mike. Mike, you can stand up because it's my honor on behalf of our elders to present to you Reverend Mike Simons. So if you uh, fellows, would you come over here, and we're going to surround you both, and we're going to pray for you. And then uh, at that, this is going to be our closing prayer, so we'd ask you to stand with us and join us this morning. Uh, I'm going to let I'm going to let Alan Greenfield say the closing prayer for us this morning. And then when he's done praying, you'll be dismissed, but I'd like you to come around and congratulate uh, Mike and Barb. Our Holy Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for, for this day in our lives here as we can share in this moment where Mike has surrendered to preach your word and to become a, a pastor, Father, a shepherd of the flock. And Father, I pray for him and Barb. I pray that as they, they embark on this journey from today forward, Father, that you would give them the strength the courage, the love, and the compassion to meet every challenge that they meet, Father, with joy and humility. So, Father, we thank you so very much for this time. Bless Mike and Barb and their whole family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.